Hello, and welcome to the Homeland Podcast. Step out to find out it's wet and warm, wet and warm. Tra-la-la, 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 tra-la-la. The main barrier is access to financing has been just the barrier that we found. People who are usually 80% medium family income or below, they just cannot access financing. About a year ago, I happened to be in Washington, D.C., visiting the National Building Museum, one of my all-time favorites. There, in an exhibition on the changing idea of home in contemporary America, I learned about Austin's Alley Flat Initiative. This innovative effort to build more housing units on underutilized lands was something I wanted to learn more about. So I reached out to Marla Torado, the program coordinator for the Alley Flats Initiative. In the garden of their East Austin offices, I started my conversation with Marla talking about her work at the Austin Community Design and Development Center and what is meant by the term community design. So the Austin Community Design and Development Center is a local nonprofit here in Austin. Um, and we work on affordable housing projects and other community initiatives. Um, we basically work with uh, low and moderate income uh, communities here um, in Austin and also the organizations that serve them as well. Um, so we partner with other nonprofits that are working on affordable housing um, projects. Um, we work a lot with the community development corporations that offer a lot of um, housing programs and services for the communities. Um, and basically what we mean with Community Design Center um, is that we work with the community. Um, we are planners and architects. Um, so any project that we develop, it goes along with whatever the community wants to do. So it's a um, work that it's collaborative, um, not us kind of going into a place and kind of saying what should be done, but we do it um, together in a collaborative way. Mm. And and do you work in one specific area of the Austin community, or um, is no, it beyond that? We, we're not really, um, you know, kind of restricted to any particular area, but usually the areas that we have worked at are usually the east side, because okay. those are the areas where you can find majority of a low and moderate income um, communities and and again because we work a lot with community development corporations a lot of them there's one that's actually on the west side that we work with um, but some of the other um, organizations are usually on the, on the east side so the, the way that i heard about you mm -hmm. i was uh in washington dc i was at the national building museum oh, yeah. and there was an exhibition about yeah. the alley flat initiative mm -hmm. and that's how i heard about your organization yeah. and can you talk a little bit about that initiative and what its yeah. aims are? Yeah, of course. Um, so the Alley Flood Initiative, basically it's a kind of a, there's three organizations that kind of work together for the Alley Flood Initiative. Um, us, the Austin Community Design and Development Center, which we kind of manage the day-to-day -day of, of that initiative. And we also have the Guadalupe Neighborhood Development Corporation, okay. GNDC. Um, who is a local a nonprofit um, that works also on affordable housing. Um, and they help in terms of kind of the policy area around um, accessory dwelling units and, and 
kind of advocacy. Okay. Um, and also the third partner is the uh, University of Texas Center for Sustainable Development that helps um, in terms of research and studies that have to do with anything that we might need for the Alabama Institute. So it's um, a kind of the three organizations kind of work together for the Alipad initiative. And basically with this initiative, we work with uh, private homeowners who are interested in building an accessory dwelling unit in their property, um, which we call Alley Flat. Okay. Um, and basically what's different uh, about this Alley Flat from any other accessory dwelling unit is that they are green and affordable. Okay. Green because they have at least three stars in the Austin Energy Green Building rating. Um, and they're affordable because they participate in the City of Austin's affordable housing program, um, which is called Smart Housing. Um, and basically what that does is that um, the city provides some upfront cost savings to homeowners who want to build an accessory building unit in terms of fee waivers and other benefits. Um, in exchange of the homeowner renting the alley flat to a homeowner who is 80% medium family income or below for five years. Okay. So the idea is that you take benefit of those um, incentives up front um, in exchange for that affordability period. And are, are people, are people uh, at the end of the five years, are they continuing with that? Or they, they can do what it, so basically the contract um, is that you only need to do it for five years, and okay. after that, you can do whatever you want okay. um, with it. So basically, this program is out there, and it's used by a lot of bigger developers okay. um, who are doing bigger projects, etc. And basically, what we're doing is kind of taking those incentives and giving them to individual homeowners so they can take advantage of them. So you're saying that the program that the bigger developers are taking advantage of is mm -hmm. the accessory dwelling unit program. That so they're taking advantage of all the incentives that come from using that smart housing tool, right? okay. um, to add um, income-restricted units into their projects. Right. So we're kind of giving that to private homeowners to take, to also take advantage Got of it. Those. Got it. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, so basically um, we also work in addition to working with private homeowners, we also work with community development corporations um, who want to build housing for their affordable housing services mm -hmm. um, and they have community land trusts or properties that they were already bought and they want to build um, uh, an accessory dwelling unit that is definitely going to be income restricted because that's the population that they serve so we also work a lot with them with the Blackland Community Development Corporation that's close to here um, and then the Guadalupe Neighborhood Development Corporation and then the one that's more on the west side, it's the Clarksville Community Development Corporation, which okay. we've done some one alphabet. I understand um, why someone might want to do that in their backyard from mm -hmm. a, a uh, generosity perspective. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's probably more going on, more more innovating innovations than mm -hmm. just that. I mean, are people coming to you saying, "I need to build"? A ten-year-out hedge against gentrification. I need to build uh, another passive income stream because mm -hmm. otherwise, my my fixed income isn't going to allow me to stay in this place. What are some of those stories of yeah. why people are coming yes. to you? So, so the main um, stories when people come to us is are that they have family member 
who is not able to live in Austria. They can find a place to live, or they have a friend, or they have parents who are getting old and, you know... Just you know, affordability, to, they can't find yes, a place. Okay. Yes, um, And, you know, parents, again, who might be living in the house, maybe they can't afford it anymore, they want to be closer to their kids. So the kids are thinking like, okay, maybe I need to, to build something like this. Um, so we've heard a lot of those, um, and this is obviously people who would probably do it anyway. Um, so, you know, they kind of take advantage of the benefits that they offer, that the program offers. And I should also mention that I forgot before, um, because we are also, we have architects in our staff. Um, we have a design, we created a catalog of designs, um, and we can offer reduced professional fees for that kind of a soft cost. Okay. Because um, we're not builders, we just make the designs and all the planning and everything. So we found that our service is kind of a soft cost of, of the process um, of what we charge is between a third to half of what a market rate architect would charge in Austin. Which could be a big deal. Yes, it's definitely a big deal. And I think people don't realize how much of a big deal that initial process is. They're always thinking about the construction and how much it is per square footage. But when they're, they they actually you know see the numbers, it's like, oh, wait, this actually costs you know, money. Um, that's definitely been um, shocking for some people. Um, but anyway, going back to the story... So a lot of people that have come to us, it's because they have someone in mind who needs needs the affordability or they have a family member or someone who, who needs to be closer. Um, so definitely those people kind of understand the, the program and have their hearts kind of in that path of affordability and they understand. Um, but originally, um, the program, how it was set up, it was specifically, like you mentioned, for people who were like, hey, we need an extra um, income stream to be able to stay in place. Um, and what we found throughout the years, so the Aliflad initiative started back in 2005. And I think the first Aliflad, I think, was built in 2009 because, again, it started kind of as a UT class and with the community and everything, so it took a while to kind of, you know, be providing services full on mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah so throughout the years we have realized that there's challenges that we need to or barriers that we need to work through to make sure that this the alley flat can actually help those homeowners who would see this as a way to stay in place and not be pushed out because of increasing property taxes and all those things what are some of the barriers Basically, the main barrier is access to financing has been just the barrier that we found. People who are usually 80% medium family income or below, they just cannot access financing. And I don't know if you're familiar with the medium family incomes of Austin. No. Well, it's it's pretty high and it's been increasing. Um, so this is from last year, the, ta- the kind of HUD table. Uh, they, they every year they come out with a table about income limits um, for the different metropolitan uh, regions. This is for the Austin and Round Rock area, I believe. Yeah. So for a household of four people, a, the median family income for Austin is eighty-one thousand four hundred, which is pretty high. Yeah. So everything below that, it's low income. 
And this is something that we take with us to a lot of community meetings because there's obviously a big stigma about who is low income and we don't want low income people living in our neighborhood, etc. But when you break down the numbers, and obviously it depend, it varies depending if it's a one-person household, two-person household, etc. Um, but when they see the numbers that are like, oh wait, I I might qualify, or my cousin might qualify, or then the conversation starts being more like, okay, what can we do about this? Right, right. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so access to financing has definitely been kind of the main challenge that we found, um, and. Up to this point, because of that, unfortunately, we have not been able to help the those homeowners who would see this as a tool to help them stay in place, while at the same time providing an affordable home for someone else that might need it. Right. Um, so, uh, what have we what we've been trying to do lately is work on an expansion, if you want to call it that, um, to the Alpha Initiative. Um, and basically would be focused specifically for households who are 80% medium family income or below and can use this as a strategy to stay in place. And so we're trying to partner with a housing department with the city to try to come up with some sort of um, um, a, a forgivable loan mm-hmm. um, that could help bridge that gap mm-hmm. of what they would be able to access with financing um, to be able to build this um, access to dwelling unit um, for a longer uh, affordability period as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, from 10 to 15 years or something like that, at the end of that period of time, that the loan is, is, is for a forgivable loan. Right. Um, but again, you would be housing someone that it's... You know, low income as well. Right. Um, so potentially for a longer period exactly, of time. Exactly. For a okay. longer period. Instead of the of time. five years, it yes. might be the ten or the fifteen. Or, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're currently working on that. I mean, right now in Austin, there is a big big push for trying to help people stay in place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's gentrification. It's a really not only like a bus term, but it's actually a real. You know, it's really um, you can you can see it and it's been happening for a really long time uh, we've actually had a decrease of african-american population a significant decrease mm-hmm. um, ut has done plenty of studies um, actually interviewing people who have left why they've left they have left um, and if they would be able to come back um, and there's a big push from communities to make a plan or something to help some of those families to return Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is definitely a program that if it does, we're able to make it work, it would definitely be um, something that we think would be one more tool. Not Evidently, we need many, many tools in Toolbox, uh, but we hope that this would be one tool that would be desirable for some homeowners, not for all of them, obviously. Right. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the houses themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? What what do these look like? Maybe maybe mm-hmm. first describe the yeah. typical Austin residential lot and mm-hmm. then how these houses sit on that lot and what mm-hmm. they might look like. Yeah, so uh, basically Austin, I, I don't know exactly what's like the average size of, a, of an Austin home, but um, in order to be able to have, to qualify for an alley flat, 
um, you have to be the right zoning and you have to have the right lot size. Um, so once you have um, the right zoning, which is usually SF3, um, your lot size has to be at least 5,570 square feet to be able to add an alley flat. Pretty good size lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and actually that is a reduction. Um, in 2015, we were pretty, ad, um, pretty, we helped out a lot in advocating to decrease the lot size because before I believe it was 7,000 that you were able to have a, an alley flat. Mm -hmm. So now in 2015 it was reduced, which is great. Um, and the parking requirements were also reduced in that 2015. I was going to ask policy. if there was a parking requirement. Yes. So um, depending on the year that your primary house was built, um, you might need to add uh, space for parking. However, if you are a quarter mile or less from a transit corridor, then you don't have to have a parking for the alley flat. Um, and the city has, you know, this kind of GIS map that you put in your address and then it will tell you if you need to add a parking or you already kind of reduce um, parking zone. Um, so, so which, is, which is great. And it really works out well for some homeowners because obviously there's some impervious cover requirements and not having to have a parking there definitely helps. Um, so, so, yeah, so basically... Usually the alley flat would be in the back of the house. Mm -hmm. um, and the alley flat cannot be more than 15% of your lot size. So they could be up to 1,100 square feet. Okay. Which is a, a pretty, decent size. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, actually, my home is 820 square feet. So, I mean, I think that's huge. Um, so, so, yeah. So it could be up to that, up to 1,100 or... Uh, no more than 15% of your lot size. So whichever is, um, comes before that cutoff. Um, so, so yeah, so we have, and probably you saw in the, in our website, we have created like a catalog of designs. I think we have what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine designs or eight, because I think one of these ones is out. But um, so, yeah, so usually they could be either one story or two stories. Uh, the ones that we have that are one story are fully accessible. Mm -hmm. um, again, because we work a lot with community development corporations who could serve people with disabilities. Um, we make sure that, you know, they can access everywhere in the home. Um, and yeah, from one bedroom, uh, one bathroom to two bedroom, two bathrooms, uh, the I think the biggest one that we've done, they, they're usually around 850 square feet. Okay. Um, and then the smallest one that we have designed was just about 450. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, so it ranges. It depends, um, depend, depending on also what the household, what they're thinking about for the alley flat. Um, Again, if it's for a family member that it's older, they're usually thinking just a one story. We have one client now who they're thinking about using it to rent for now, but seeing it as a strategy for them to stay in place. Okay. So when their kids, you know, grow and get out of the house, 
uh, they might just move into the alley flat. So they want to make sure, even though the one that they're building, I believe, is two stories, they want to make sure that at least the first story is fully accessible. So when probably they can go upstairs, they will be able to still use um, and live in the alley flat. So they would move into their alley flat and yes. the original house would become a rental exactly. or whatever. Yep. Oh, yep. Okay. Exactly. Um, I mean, who builds them? Is it, is it just on the marketplace? A general contractor builds them or is there another mm -hmm. delivery model? Yeah, so so right now we don't, so we're not builders, we're just the designers mm -hmm. and kind of project managers. Um, so, so yeah, it would be up for bid. Um, we do have several builders that we worked with in the past and who've built some of the alley flats. So we usually, um, talk to the client and tell them like you know we have these people you can contact them um and they do this is something that we would it, it would be really beneficial for the program itself to be able to partner with someone who would be there mm -hmm. um just for the alley flats but because you know it's so people can come be interested but then you know they might realize it's way too much and they don't do it so you know, or, or financing, they don't qualify, or there's so many things that could, throughout the process, that could be like, okay, this is not happening now, it might happen in a year, that it's really hard to, yeah. to you know, have someone there as a builder. Um, so that's why, for now, um, we have just, we have people that we can recommend. Um, but, but yeah, so we, we have talked to people like Austin Habitat for Humanity to see if there's ways to partner with them in creating some sort of design that would be easy to panelize, for example, mm -hmm, so that would mm -hmm. make the process faster, maybe reduce the cost. Mm -hmm. Construction cost is another big issue in Austin. Um, I think since the time I started, which was about a year ago, um, I would say to clients, you know, per square footage, you can expect between 150 to 160 uh, dollars. And right now we're saying 165 to 175. Oh. Um, so definitely this, it's increasing rapidly. Yeah. And um, it's hard to find developers who would commit for such a small project as well. Right. So again, because the economy is booming, they exactly have, they have, other they have you know I don't know have a million dollar houses that they're building and you know building this one little house that is just going to make them way less money. It's just harder. So that's why we try to stick with the people who have worked with us, who know our mission, who believe in the mission and kind of want to do this right mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. uh, for them as well. So we usually go with them. But but again, going back to your question, your original question, yes, it's kind of an open market thing for the builder. All those dynamics are, are understandable. Yeah. But I think it, you know, on the upside, it gives a certain level of quality that you're yeah. not having kind of volunteer labor. You're mm -hmm. having a general contractor who's yeah. going to build a quality product yes. that's going to be around for a while. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So how many how many have you built to date? Yeah. So we have built seven alley flats, and we have in the pipeline about ten right, right. now. They're in different stages of design or permitting, etc. Um, so so yeah. So that's what we have right now. Like I said, we have a lot of people who contact us and they might not qualify for financing, etc. Um, so that is one of the main things that we're trying to work on um, 
to see if we can come up with some solutions and, and fix that. Yeah. And, and do you have any favorite stories of INC you've worked with? Um, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's always good stories. I mean, I think they're all great stories. Um, I think the best stories um, in terms of kind of pushing the goal and our mission um, is always going to, you know, the, the, the work that we do with our community development corporation partners is always great. Um, you know, either renting it out to people who have very strong generational ties to the neighborhood um, that are able to find a home in the areas that they grew up with. I mean, they're always, those stories are always um, amazing and kind of hard to find in Austin nowadays, which is really sad. Um, but, but I think also with private homeowners who, you know, are wanting to bring their family into town and realize like, oh man, that this is it's really hard. We were lucky maybe moving here 20 years ago and being able to find a house. Um, I think, I, I think every client that we talk to who is able to realize that the market is really hard, that they have an opportunity to provide a home to someone that might need it, I think gives, gives me a little bit of hope in humanity. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there, I mean, I don't have any one specific, I think they're all great stories. And, and I, and we hope, our hope is that people can keep learning about the program and they kind of realize that, wow, I have this big lot with this yard that I don't use. It would be kind of nice to have someone there living as well. And, you know, so, so yeah. So uh, maybe the last question mm -hmm. is a zoom out question. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, obviously your, your, your mission and your focus is on delivering this one product mm -hmm. into this one city in a vast country, but it's a, it's a model that hits on so many issues that are, that are confronting urban America, gentrification, displacement, uh, affordability, um, competing economic interests. When you zoom out and kind of look at that, uh, macro landscape of American urbanism, where do you see this initiative or this type of initiative fitting into that conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it fits in, you know, one of the things that we advocate for is this um, missing middle concept, right? And how we have, at least here in Austin, um, kind of focused on this single family home model for so long, either single family home or big kind of multifamily, you know, you have those two um, contrasting um, styles of, of housing types, right? Um, and I think by adding more density that at the same time keeps the neighborhood character, that that's something that some communities are really worried about, um, but at the same time, you know, keep providing different types of home for different types of families like we have today. Um, I think we fit into that conversation of increasing housing types throughout cities who need it. Um, not only through alley flats, but, you know, we also advocate for things like duplexes or cottage homes. You know, um, I think one, one of the reasons why we might be having this pressure 
um, in Austin and maybe many other places is because people are competing for the same type of housing. Um, and so the market is just saturated with people who need a home and they have no other option but to buy a single family home. But they might be perfectly well or even better in another housing type, maybe in um, um, co-op, you know, where you know you have younger people or older people kind of taking care of each other or you have a cottage court. Um, like we do have one here, actually close by, one of the community development corporations has one for seniors, mm -hmm. and it works out really well. So I think um, we fit into that conversation of advocating for the housing types and how they can serve different types of households and the importance of having all those different options so that we can have vibrant and diverse communities is is essential. Mm. Great. Well, thank you for introducing me to uh, Austin Community Design Development Corporation and the Alec Fox Initiative. Awesome. Yeah, of course. Thank our work would not be possible without the support of MIGSVR and the Landscape Architecture Foundation's Innovation and Leadership Fellowship. To learn more about the tremendous work of LAF, please visit their website at lafoundation.org. Finally, we want to thank our friends at Yves for the use of their music. You can learn more about the band and find out about their debut album at the Sound of Y V E. S.com. <laughs>